G'day everybody, this is Tractor and welcome to episode 10 of the Jobwall podcast. Today I'm responding to a few viewer requests and questions that I've got by email, so please keep them coming in, tractor at milsomeast.com. So the first thing that a lot of people ask about is, okay, so what's really different about a milsim? And that always leads me to the equipment and the way that you do camping. Yeah, that's right, camping. It's a swear word in milsim. So when we're talking about how you sleep overnight and what you do, camping is a word that is verboten. It is not how a milsim rolls. What do I mean by that? So what I'll often lead people to is look at the Hollywood rendition of how people spent their nights in Vietnam movies. It was always under a little green tarp and it was raining and it was two in the morning and somebody was on watch and everyone else was asleep. And essentially, that's basically how we do things at a Milsim. There's no comfort in what you do. It's just basic protection from the elements. And... There is a great risk, at, and that, that's sort of the difference between Millsoft and Millsim, is that you can be awoken at two in the morning during a Millsim if you are not prepared to repel an attack. So some people call it sentries, some people call it pickets, um, depending on the country that you're from, but you need to have at least two out of ten people, so 20% of your people awake and guarding the place that you are sleeping there is no out-of-bounds in what I call Milsim. There's no safe area that you can retreat to and go, well, I'm going to have a good six-hour sleep now. We we did try a version of that at Milsim East and we were very uncomfortable with it and how it, how it affected gameplay with people coming in and coming out, people knowing who they could shoot at and when. So anyone that's read the CSSO knows that you need to keep your eye protection on 24 hours a day when you are in the game zone. And the game zone is everywhere that you can play. So if we're saying you need to keep your eye protection on, that means that you can be shot at 24 hours a day by a gel blaster. It also means that enemies can sneak up on you and and do all sorts of ambushes and whatnot 24 hours a day. Now, why do we do this? Because... At the core of what we're doing, we are doing mil-sim, military simulation. So if we want to represent a light infantry operation, they have left their safe place, they have left the harbour, they have left their forward operating base and they are out trying to engage with the enemy for two or three days on a patrol. So they don't have access to that place to fall back to that you would have seen in videos and uh, media of the Middle East where they go back and there's a donger that they can sleep in with the aircon and they might get rocketed or whatever else but they're effectively guarded and in a fairly safe spot. As opposed to a light infantry mobile operation where you are on your feet carrying everything on your back, that's how we roll at Milsim East. I try not to even use the word FOB anymore because it leads people down a certain path of giving them the idea that there is a safe space. So me saying some of this is is going to get some people a little bit offside, a little bit riled up because that's not what they think Millsim is. 
And I'm not saying that other mill sims aren't as valid. What I am saying is that when you come to Eastern Predator, it's going to have a very specific flavour. It's the chocolate. It's not the strawberry. It's not the banana flavour. We've gone with a very specific way of doing things because uh, it's part of our history. It's part of what com sims used to do. It's part of, like, really hardcore mill sim. And, and the people that we generally attract are those that want to do that or have actually done it in the real world in previous military experience or cadets or wherever else they've done it or they might have been in a soldier in another country. But the way we mill sim is very different in your sleeping arrangements. So we'll tell people, bring a hoochie or a tarp, depending on where you're from, it'll have slightly different names, bring a hoochie, a sleeping bag and a ground sheet. Maybe a bivy bag, that's all you need in your pack to sleep at night. Because of the short duration of what we do, we don't talk about things like digging in or shell scrapes or fighting bays or any of that stuff that we used in that early 90s post-Vietnam warfare style of stuff. Because, look, I've done that stuff and it sucks hard that it's two in the morning and you're still digging a pit and you're wondering why you're doing it because the next day you're just going to fill it back in. So, although I love to bandy about the words embrace the suck, there are certain elements of suck that aren't great for a game. And although we are doing a game, there is a massive LARP, which is live action role play element to what we do. So, that being awake at two in the morning, that's an experience to take away from your milsim that you've done with us that you might not get somewhere else. So I'm going to segue directly to food here. Those that came on the first Eastern Predator were all issued a hunger buster. And that's a commercial version of the CRP or combat ration pack that Australians and New Zealanders have been used to for many, many years. People will talk about things like MREs and dehydes and, and all that sort of stuff. They, they fall into a similar category, but... Um, you'll find that military personnel or those with military experience will get really tied up in the word and will know I don't need MREs or, oh yeah, MREs are the bomb, that's what I want. What you need for a mill sim is food that does not require cooking and may not require heating at all. Because there may be times where you've been patrolling for hours on end or doing a task where you're very physically active for multiple hours and at the end of that all you want to do is shove food in your pie hole like you don't want to be sitting there going all right now I've got to cut up this and move that and blah 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 so we absolutely absolutely recommend some sort of prepared stuff it doesn't matter whether it's a, a can of Tom Piper steak and braised onions or it doesn't really matter what the format is but it does matter about what you need to do to prepare it and the rubbish that you create that you need to get rid of. So people will talk about hexamine stoves and jet boils and, and a few other methods of, of heating your water. It doesn't really matter what you do, but you do have to be very conscious of fire danger. It's a massive thing in Australia. It's very topical right now that there may be a place that you go to do a mill sim and all of a sudden there is a fire ban so you need food that 
it mightn't taste the best when it's not hot, but it's something that you can go, all right, well, I'm going to get everything I need out of this. So if we sort of delve into it a bit deeper, if you look at the food in a ration pack, there is not massive amounts of carbs, there is not massive amounts of vegetables. There is a buttload of sugar and a buttload of fat because that stuff you can get into you and bounce back very quickly and keep repeating the same tasks. If you look at the calorific or uh, kilojoule value of a ration pack, it's well above that 8,400 that people are recommended that they should eat every day. It's closer to 16 to 20,000. And that is because of the content of the food. It's not long-burning stuff. When you're on extended military operations, and I've eaten ration packs for months on end, and it's not super pleasant, but you get what we call sups or supplements. You'll get given some butter. You'll get given some um, extra things like bread. And being able to make a jaffle instead of just having kaisi min out of a can can really change how you feel about morale and food. There are also plenty of foods that you really want to avoid. Anything that's in a packet that can be destroyed when you drop your pack. Um, things like little cartons of UHT milk. Yeah, UHT milk's awesome, but in a milsim scenario, you might be dropping your pack off the back of a car or, or doing stuff like that. So things like retort pouches and hard canned food will survive that sort of rough treatment, whereas... Um, certain packaged foods won't. The other thing that you've got to consider is what items will you pick up locally when you arrive at a Milsim location? For example, we have guys from Adelaide and Perth and places like that. There are things that you don't necessarily want to put in your carry-on baggage because of the weight conditions of that. So you might go, all right, well, I'll get all my nibbles and snacks and my sultanas and my canned foods when I arrive in Brisbane and then I'll co-pack that into everything else I've got to keep the weight of my luggage that I'm checking onto the plane down to a minimum. Another thing other people will do is send stuff in advance to Wakeol and you're welcome to do that just uh, hit me up via the website and you can send your blasters pre-packed in a box or a transit case or whatever and have us meet you with that case later on down the road. We've certainly done that before for um, guys from Victoria that, well, they might not own blasters because they live in Victoria, but they can send up a pack full of stuff via the freight system, and then when they fly up, they can have all their comfort gear on them and know that that stuff's there. There are other things to consider, like hexamine and the butane and the propanes, a lot of that stuff, you, you can't fly with that. So it's something where you go, OK, when we get to wherever we're going, we need to go to a camping shop or a BCF or a Raise or a whatever or a super cheap and get cans of this or cans of that. And you've got to think about what you're going to do with them at the end as well if you haven't used them all. And these are things people don't consider. What I suggest to people that haven't millsimmed in this fashion before is to... Wherever it is you play that you can camp, try and do it that way. Try and prepare your food in a way that you're going to use at Eastern Predator so that you've experienced what it's like to eat cold spam out of a can.
well, not necessarily cold spam, but, but you get the idea of you need to know, okay, it's going to take me three minutes to boil water to make a coffee. If I do that once a day, what time of day do I do it? Do I do it in the dark where the flames will give off light? And these are things that you don't necessarily think about in a fully conscious way until you've done them the first time. And we talk about, there's a model out there that I used to hate that was used in the military a lot called unconscious incompetence. And then you go from conscious incompetence and then blah, blah, blah. But the point is that the first time you're going to do a new skill, you don't even know that you don't know how to do that skill or whatever. And slowly you progress to a stage. And think about the first time you drive a car. The first time you drive a car or you're getting taught how to drive a car, it's a massive process and you've got to use all your perception and every part of brain power that you've got to drive that car after a few years of driving a car you don't think about it you go well I'm going to drive from here to there you get in your car and you just drive and a lot of the stuff happens automatically I think back to a time when I was a kid and I'd walk home from school at one of the schools that I went to and sometimes you'd be walking home and you'd be thinking about this or that and you'd look up and go oh heck I'm already home because I unconsciously walked all that distance and navigated the way and crossed roads and did all that without heaps of conscious effort. And you want your food to work that way at EP. You don't want that to be something that you have to spend a lot of mental effort on because you will be spending most of your mental effort trying to outfox the opposition team. So in a nutshell, you need to train the way you fight. And I used to hate that about the army. We would often train in a very rigorous way and have all these rules and then we deployed overseas and none of that stuff worked. And we're starting to go, oh, well, we're in this environment instead of the jungle. Oh, we're in the desert now and none of the stuff we've trained for works. So you know that EP is going to be in Queensland in the southeast corner somewhere. So you know roughly what the environment and terrain will be. You know it will be in not the hottest part of the year but not the coolest part so you need to prepare yourself for that and get with your mates and go okay tonight we're going to go camping at Bill's house and we're all going to set our poor hoochies in the backyard and sleep in our sleeping bags and see how it works um, and I'm not saying you need to set up a picket roster or anything but because you could sit there on your iPads but it is a good idea to try a picket roster so that you can understand what broken sleep is like compared to a normal, and you might be a four-hour or a 12-hour sleeper. But some people don't cope well with, uh, OK, I've just been woke up at 2 in the morning and now for the next two hours I've got to be highly alert and then I'm going to go back to sleep again. A lot of people have a trouble adjusting to that. So, again, that's something that you need to practice before you put into uh, an operation like Eastern Predator. Just a word of warning on some of the uh, foodstuffs that are out there. I would suggest that you don't try to buy MREs internationally and have them shipped here. There are some heavy restrictions from the government, for, for better or worse, on MREs, um, and they don't really like them being shipped into Australia. So if you can find them locally, crack on. They might be a bit more expensive if that's what you want. Um, the good thing that I find about MREs is the way they heat themselves. There's no 
oh yeah, I've got to get a stove and heat water and do this and do that. There's a pouch that heats up and you put your food in that pouch and it's all very simple. The other one I want to mention is one to be very careful of is dehydes or some people call them trail rations. So there's plenty of hiking shops and camping shops like your Mountain Designs and your Katmandus, those sort of shops that you can go to and there's dehydrated food there. Whilst it's awesome because it doesn't take up much weight, there is that, okay, I've got to dedicate this period of time to the hydration of my food. Some of it needs hot water. Some of it needs just lots of time. So you need to practice that in that you're going to go, okay, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. We've got two hours left of sunlight. We don't have any tasks on, so I've got time for the next two hours to cook my dehydrated rations and I've got the spare water and blah, blah, blah. But there might be a time where you're in a high-tempo operation, you want to have some lunch and a dehyde isn't what you want to go to as your first option. It might be half a dozen muesli bars or a protein shake or whatever it may be that you choose off the shelf. Dehydes are great, but they do have some drawbacks. And again, that practice before you deploy thing is really important with any sort of food that you're going to take to Eastern Predator. If I was going to buy specific sleeping gear for myself for Eastern Predator, what I would buy is something called a bivy bag. And people will go, oh, well, they're really expensive and blah, blah, blah. But the beauty of a bivy bag, it is a waterproof sack, for lack of a better word, that your sleeping bag goes in. And the beauty of that is that you literally open up a couple of pouches on your pack, you pull this thing out, you lay it out, you get into it and you're asleep. There's maybe two minutes worth of preparation. Some people will do much more elaborate sleeping situations with hammocks or with hoochies or um, they'll figure around and, oh, I need this mat and I need this thing and I need... Whereas you're already dead to the world when they're doing that. For those that are much more budget-minded, get yourself a green tarp from any of the cheap shops. It will do the exact same job as a hoochie because all it needs to do is keep the rain off your sleeping bag. And you just get another green tarp and you put that on the ground and it stops the rain coming underneath you. It's not rocket science. It's not something you need to go and buy the most high-speed tactical solution for, especially for your first meals in. And if you find any family or friends that have been in Army or Air Force cadets, they've done lots of this. And they might go, hey, I've got a hoochie. Do you want to borrow that? To save yourself that 100 bucks or 50 bucks, whatever it is, that you'd rather spend on upgrading your blaster or buying a drum mag or whatever it is that you need to make yourself more reliable at EP. The next thing I want to discuss about food is what to eat out of and what to eat with. Um, when I was in the military in the 90s originally I never used knives and forks and spoons yes you were issued them but they were just a pain in the bum there, there was a thing called a Fred that came in your ration pack which is a little metal spoon with a can opener on it and I was a big fan just use that keep it simple wipe it off with a baby wipe at the end and, and jam it in your pocket and it just creates that all these one minute that you save yourself throughout a day, stack up to 20 minutes that you've got to do something that you'd rather be doing even in a tactical scenario. So also what I, I've seen a lot of people on their first 
camping trips or whatever it is that you're going to do with your tactical equipment is they decide that they need a pot to cook things in or a, a frying pan to do this or, a, or whatever to do that or even the old school military Dixies. I'm not a fan of any of that stuff because as soon as you get that stuff out there's a level of preparation and there's a level of cleaning. So you've got to consider things like, okay, do I have the water to then clean that item? Yes, it's nice to eat off a plate, but can I do without that for 24 hours? I'm going to get a nice big barbecue at the end of this that I'll eat off the plate, or I'm going to go to the pub with my mates at the end of this and we're going to have a fancy meal. So that's your chance to eat off a plate. So what I do now is, like, I'm, my go-to, if I was going to a Milsim, I would buy the Hunger Buster because I don't need extra water for it. It's got all the snacks and things that I need, so it's a no-brainer. It's a, I don't have to go on a shopping expedition. The other thing is, is the rubbish that comes from this stuff. If you eat food that comes from a pouch as opposed to a can, it's much easier to jam that into the rubbish section of your pack than try to crush a can and put it and store it and liquid leaks and uh, it's just a friggin' nightmare. Talk to anyone that's been in the military or anyone that's done backpacking or lightweight camping in mountains or wherever else and they'll talk to you about how much of a pain in the butt the rubbish is because you might be out on patrol for 12 hours where the admin staff at EP won't be able to get to you to collect your rubbish. So it's a matter of you humped it in, you're humping it back out again until you get to that secure location or an FOB or a platoon harbour and that's where the platoon sergeant jumps in and goes, okay boys, you just came back from patrol, you got any rubbish, um, do you need some extra water, blah, blah, blah. So it's one of those unknown things that people are not aware of that they need. So I suppose to summarise all of this is the KISS and the 6P principles. You need to keep it simple because otherwise it gets stupid. And you need to have prior planning and preparation preventing P-poor performance. All of the things that you can do before you arrive at your first milsim at Eastern Predator will make you have more fun. The more hard work you do before you come for the first one, things like, do you understand the Australian Army's versions of silent field signals? Can you pick up a military map and use the military grid reference system? Can you talk in the Mills Angular measurement system? Can you do a nine-liner? These are all things that you might never have heard of before and you need to go and research because there are certain things that we do at Millsim East that are well beyond just a gel ball game whilst wearing cams and operating as a squad. There's heaps of stuff that we do that is the next level from that. So if you've got mates that are preparing for Millsim East or preparing for Operation Eastern Predator, you need to get together, you need to talk and feel free to hit me on Facebook, hit me on the email address tractoratmillsimeast.com and ask me can we do it this way, can we do it that way? And I'm happy to answer those questions to make your preparation a lot easier. I'm going to wrap it up for there. I've talked way longer than I normally like to. 25 minutes is a hell of a long time, so I usually like to keep it to about 15. And today I'm going to give a shout-out to all the members of the command team. 
These guys do massive hours behind the scenes. We have lots of robust discussions. We have lots of times where we don't agree with each other, but at the end of the day, we all come together for this one thing that we call Eastern Predator. So thanks, Mawkeye. Thanks, Cormac. Thanks, Jet. Thanks, Ronan. Thanks, Greeny. And thanks to everyone else that volunteers and gives up their time. Cheers.